0: Welcome to the Get a Grip podcast. I'm your host Corey Grip. It's been a little bit. It's been a little bit of time since I put up my last podcast, but I wanted to kind of jump back in with NFL playoffs. uh, You know, mid swing, and you know we got the NBA season kind of going on, and um, you know college football season just wrapped up. College basketball is officially back. Baseball is starting to ramp up again towards spring training. But yeah, first wanted to start off with just kind of breaking down. NFL wildcard weekend, and then some divisional predictions, analysis, um, for today and tomorrow. Let me just start with by saying, let me start with my Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you know, this is, this was an really interesting season. I mean, I just, not, not just for the Steelers, but for the whole league, it was just a really interesting situation for every team involved. Um, yeah, I, I thought the Steelers had a lot of bad luck. I know they started 11 and 0, but you know you play who's on your schedule. You know, I never like the I never like the argument of, oh well, they haven't played anyone. I'm like, well, that's not their fault. They don't make their own schedule. They just play who's on their schedule, and they started off 11 and 0. So you can't take that away from them. It's hard to win games in the NFL. So to do that was a great accomplishment. However, the the rest of the season was a, a ginormous failure. You know, I don't know what it was, but for whatever reason, the Steelers were a a decent team running the football the first six weeks of the season. And then for whatever reason, they just couldn't run the football. Once they played from like week seven on, they just couldn't run the football. They they just baffled me. I couldn't understand why. Um, But, you know, you, you look at what happened against the Browns. I mean, that was just a complete failure they were not ready to play for whatever reason. And I think this goes kind of with my thinking of, I don't like when teams rest starters week 17, you know, I, I think it's just, especially for the Steelers in this situation, you know, you you had just played three and a half horrible games offensively. And then the one half good half you have the second half against the Colts, you start, you know, and some deep balls down the field that opened up the run game and the short passing game, and they they kind of looked dangerous offensively. And then you rest Big Ben Week 17. I thought you had a lot of momentum in that second half of the Colts game, and I think they should have played Big Ben in Week 17 and really just kept trying to keep you know, the, the momentum going and see if you can continue that rhythm offensively, but that's not what they did. You know, It was clear to me the Steelers were not ready to play from the first snap. You know, Big Ben should not be throwing seventy passes a game. You know, they got pushed around, and I think that's something that I can ne- I never thought I'd say about a Steelers team ever. They got pushed around. Um, you know, Cleveland had a really good offensive line. They really that was probably the biggest weakness of their team last year, and they really addressed that by signing Jack Conklin away from the Titans and drafting Dedrick Wills um, from out of Alabama in the top ten. But you know, the Steelers got pushed around which is crazy to me because they have a lot of really good defensive players on their team and a lot of missed tackles. I, I don't know what the Steelers are going to do this offseason. season. They have a lot of questions that have to be answered. It seems to me that big Ben is likely going to come back. Whether they can reduce his cap hit or not is a big question mark. I don't know if there's a way for them to do that. And if they can't, they're going to lose a lot of guys. This is not going to be the same team as this year. You know, Bud Dupree is likely gone. Um, you know, unless they franchise tag him, but you know, James Conner and Juju Smith Schuster and Vance McDonald and Andre Villanueva and Mike Hilton and Cam Cam Sutton, those guys are all likely gone. Uh, just because, you know, I don't know if they're gonna be able to figure out a way to now I think what the Steelers should do is is I think they should sit Big Ben down and say, listen, we, we need to move on. We appreciate everything you've done for this organization, but you know, the Steelers are starting to fall behind the Ravens, Bengals, and Browns. You can say what you want about the Bengals, but they've already gotten that year. There's always a painful year of transition with young quarterbacks. You know, you know a lot of young quarterbacks now are coming into the league more ready to play, but they're still going to have their struggles. You know, I think the Steelers need to get that out of the way now. Transition to a young quarterback or a potential veteran quarterback, maybe if you don't want to go down that rookie quarterback route and start the transition. They still have a lot of talent on this team, more talent than probably half the teams in the league, and they have a top-ten coach than Mike Tomlin. But you know they're going to have to make some really tough decisions with Big Ben. They're going to have to sit him down and really air air out what, what needs to happen because at $41 million, I just can't see how they can bring back Big Ben who really looked his age, especially towards the end of the season. But well, I'll talk about the Browns. I I've, I haven't really bought into the Browns all year. Um, I kind of called them the same old Browns, kind of like Juju did. You know, the Browns had every reason to not win that game on Sunday, right? You know, they didn't have their head coach. They didn't have like four or five assistant coaches. You know, they didn't have their best offensive lineman, Joel Batonio. They were missing their top two or three corners. They, Olivier Vernon had torn his ACL during practice, during a workout, right before – during the week leading up to the game. They had every reason not. Oh yeah. They lost two linemen, offensive linemen mid game. They had every reason to just come, to just not show up and to just get crushed. And they did it. Yeah. You know, I think the Browns got a real shot at beating this, at, at beating the chiefs. The one thing I'll say about Cleveland in, and, and here's, I don't think they, they're going to win. But I do think they can cover the spread and and keep it close for most of the game. First of all, the Browns are third in the NFL in rushing per game at 148 yards. They have two stud running backs in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And that's kind of what you need to beat the Chiefs. You need to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline as much as possible. And we know, and we know, that the Chiefs are such a quick strike offense. You know, sometimes they don't have those very rhythmic, long – sustaining drives, you know, they're very, such a quick strike offense. They can score at any moment with a big play down the field with Tyree kill or McCole Hardman. There's such a big play offense that, you know, sometimes they don't, they can't, they don't have the self-awareness and the focus to have those long sustaining drives. The Browns were very opportunistic on defense against the Steelers. You know, first play of the game, Pouncey snaps it over big Ben's head. They recover it for a touchdown. You know, a couple of big Ben's interceptions were just one was completely overthrown on a check down and, you know, but but that's what you have to do as a defense. You know, sometimes you, you just got to make offenses pay for their mistakes, and that's what they did against the Steelers. Now, I don't know if Cleveland can do the same thing against Kansas City because I can tell you this much. Patrick Mahomes is not throwing four interceptions. So Cleveland, you know, it's going to be up to Miles Garrett. You know, Cleveland had no sacks against the Steelers. It's going to be a lot tougher to get Mahomes on the ground. Miles Garrett is going to have to have the game of his life Defensively, because the the Browns secondary, while they are getting back Kevin Johnson and Denzel Ward, they have not done a great job of forcing consistent turnovers against good teams this year. They're gonna need, you know, something, you know, they're gonna need a couple bounces to go their way, a muff punt, and on a potential onside kick. But I will say this: Baker made some great throws in big spots against the Steelers. He had that key scramble right before halftime, which eventually led to a 35-7 lead. He hit Jarvis Landry on a third and three when the Steelers had some momentum on defense, they went on down the field, made it, you know, they, you know, took, made it 42, 23. I think the one thing that really gives the Browns an advantage is they have the third best offensive conversion rate in the red zone at 73%. While the chiefs have the worst red zone defense, giving up touchdowns over 75% of the time, That's an interesting thing to look at. If the Browns can have some success draining clock, moving the football, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to punch it in, in the, in the red zone. Um, Both teams are bottom half in the league and getting teams off the field in third down, which is not good for either side. But I think the way Baker's been playing these last five, six, seven weeks, you know, he really hasn't made a lot of mistakes. He's, he's really doing a good job running that play action bootleg. They're running the ball effectively. I think the Browns, have a real shot to win this game, but they're going to have to control the clock. They're going to have to con- pound the rock They're and they're going to need to force a couple turnovers. I will say this about the chiefs. I think the chiefs rustiness is actually very concerning. Uh, they don't start fast consistently. I don't buy into this whole flipping a switch and being bored. That's not how champions play. You know, we saw that with the LA Clippers last year, you know, on paper, they probably had the best team in the Western conference, but chemistry matters. Not as much in football, but chemistry does matter in the NBA. I, I don't. That's not how champions play. You don't just flip a switch, and you don't just be bored. That's not what. That's not what champions do. Chiefs are middle of the pack and rushing per game. Having Clyde Edwards-Helaire will help, but their defense is susceptible to big plays. We saw that with the Raiders the couple times they played. You know, Henry Ruggs burned them deep. Algalore burned them deep. Waller burned them over the middle. Uh, and they're not great against the run. You know, we, we've seen this defense struggle against the run when they played the Raiders. Um, they struggled against the Panthers earlier in the year. They've given up big plays to Tampa and the Raiders and, you know, Carolina and the Saints. And this secondary is susceptible. Uh, I do think winning close games is good experience for the postseason. But I think some of those wins against the Panthers, Falcons, Broncos, they were not impressive. Uh, I don't think it was smart to rest your starters for three weeks. We saw what happened last year with the Ravens and what happened to them and how flat they came out. And, you know, by the time they started to get going offensively, they was just it was just too late. And I think the one thing that'll hurt the Chiefs the most is if Cleveland's defense can hold up in the red zone, they got a real shot, okay? I know these are a lot of ifs. The Chiefs are the 14th best red zone offense in the league, but... Listen, for as much talent as this team has and for as well-coached as they are, they're not as invincible as people are making them out to be. And I certainly think that, yes, I do think the Chiefs will win this game. But I think the Browns will cover the spread, and I think they'll keep it close because Browns are playing like the better football team right now as far as momentum and how hot they've been playing the last month. Well, the Chiefs have kind of just been, you know, going through the motions is how it appears to me. So talking about the Rams – I mean when when is when are the Seattle Seahawks going to get an offensive line? I mean for for five straight years now we continue to see Russell Wilson run for his life. They need to fix the offensive line, okay? Like I said it's been a problem for this team the last 5 years and the offense sputtered down the stretch. The Seahawks only cleared 30 points once in their last 7 games, which came against the Jets. Um I don't know what the answer is for Seattle, but you know, I still don't think you know they're they're their front seven did a great job. They, they did okay against Jared Goff, but with considering he had a, you know, a thumb that just had surgery. I mean, they they should they should have done a good job of covering guys down the field. But I thought the Seahawks looked really pathetic against the run. Cam Akers has been great, and, and this has been a guy for me that I really bought into early in the season. Um, I remember I said that. Listen, this guy, he, maybe not. Maybe not for half the season, but by the end of the season, he's going to take control of this starting job, and he's really going to take it over. Cam Akers really impressed me when he was at Florida State. You know, he was playing behind a horrible offensive line, bad quarterback play, bad coaching, and he was still rushing for 900 to over a thousand yards in his three years at Florida State. To me, that's impressive. And to go from that situation to a situation with a quarterback that's been to the Super Bowl, a really smart offensive mind, Sean McVay, and a and a better offensive line. I kind of knew that Cam Akers was going to eventually take over that starting job cuz to me he had the most talent of the three, Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. But, you know, Cam Akers, he had over th- he had 30 touches and over 170 scrimmage yards against Seattle. And in the last 4 games that he's been healthy, he's led the team in rushing. He's explosive in space, and I think Cam Akers will give the Rams a real shot against the Packers. We we it's been established, the Packers are not the most physical defense. You can push them around a little bit and they're not and they're susceptible against the run. We've seen it this year against the Colts. We saw it last year in the NFC Championship game at San Francisco. We saw them get pushed around by Tampa. You know, we saw them get pushed around by Minnesota. You can push them around in the run game and I think that's where the Rams have a real advantage. I think their their offensive line is healthy. Cam Akers is looking great. The one thing I'll say about the Rams and I do think the Rams can will win this game. They had five sacks against Seattle and while Seattle did have some success running the football, Russell Wilson just was con- constantly getting pushed off his spots in the pocket, continually forcing to make plays and outside of one off script play by rust to Metcalf down the field. Rams secondary was incredible. They took away Lockett and Metcalf that essentially that whole game um, You know, I think the Rams have had the best secondary this year. You know, Josh Johnson and Darius Williams and Jalen Ramsey and um, Jordan Fuller, rookie out of Ohio State. You know, they've all been making great plays on the ball. And you know, the Rams. Listen, this is a clash of two styles between the Rams and the Packers. Uh, The Rams have all the ingredients to win this game. They have the third best rushing defense versus the Packers' top ten rush offense. They have 14 interceptions. They've allowed the fewest air yards and completions in the league. And they've also allowed the fewest passing touchdowns in the league. They have the number one scoring defense against the number one scoring offense. Now, I think the biggest part, the biggest X factor in this game will be the Rams' defense in the red zone. The Packers have converted red zone trips into touchdowns 80% of the time that led the league. And it's it's going to come down to the trenches, um, the trenches and the red zone. Rodgers – He's, you know, when you get pressure in his face, he's really not the same. Uh, he's not as elite outside the pocket as earlier in his career. And Tampa and the Colts showed the formula for how to beat them: You get pressure in Rodgers' face, you run the football, control the clock, and keep Rodgers on the sideline. I know it's easier said than done, but the Rams have the personnel, the matchup. I know Rodgers with Devonte Adams this year that the chemistry that they have is unbelievable. I would say they're the best quarterback wide receiver duo in the league. I mean, just as far as For duration, okay, maybe, you know, Diggs and Josh Allen and Hopkins and Kyler Murray had a great year, but, you know, Rodgers and Adams have been doing this for the last three seasons. I mean, he's truly incredible. I think the Rams have all the ingredients to win this game. I think Cam Akers is going to have another strong showing, but it's going to be up to Jared Goff. I know his thumb is not in a good place right now, but if Jared Goff can make a few throws, I think they're going to win this game. It's going to be a really close low 20s game, but I'm going to take the Rams in an upset. And I think even though Aaron Donald's injured, I still think Aaron Donald's going to go out there and ball. Colts and Bills, I'm just going to keep this simple. Colts lost the game. The Bills did not win it. Um, I think the biggest question that I have is how will the Bills fare versus the Ravens run game. But let me go back to the Colts real quick. Poor decision to go for it. Fourth and goal at the four. Instead of taking a 13-7 lead, your defense had been balling. All right, The Bills had three punts, one scoring drive before that. You know, you didn't recover a fumble at midfield late in the game, which could have given your offense great field position to potentially go in, down the field and you know tie the game or take or win it. You dropped an interception at the end of the first half. You missed a chip shot field goal after Rivers threw behind a wide receiver on third down deep in Bills territory. The Colts had this game and they and they just lost it. You know, but I think the Colts exposed a big problem for the Bills. The Bills had zero sacks. And the Colts also rushed for over 160 yards with 5.4 yards a carry. Um, And did I mention they didn't record a sack against an unmobile mobile quarterback? What, is, what do you think is going to happen when the Ravens go in there? I know Josh Allen's had a great year. He's been great. Him and Diggs, hey, they've been unbelievable. You know, the Bills had a great year. They won their first playoff game in 20 seasons. I respect everything that the Bills have done this year. But let's keep it real the ravens they they have the top rushing offense in the league they're rushing for over 190 yards a game and they're top 5 and fewest passing touchdowns in the league which means they control the clock and your quarterback is not going to have a lot of passing touchdowns in the in the red zone in the end to the end zone they've also allowed the second fewest points per game the ravens have looked you know everyone wants to talk about how the bills have been on fire what about the ravens they've won 6 in a row and you can say oh well you know they haven't really played any good teams but Look at what they did last year to Derrick Henry, who rushed for over 2,000 yards on the season. They helped him to under 45 rushing yards on almost 20 carries. And Derrick Henry absolutely steamrolled this defense last year in the divisional. Okay. The Ravens rushed for over 230 yards against the Titans. And to me, the Bills didn't have an impressive victory. You take all that into consideration, Josh Allen missed some throws. The running game wasn't great. They had no pressure. And the secondary showed some cracks against Phillip Rivers. On top of a bottom five red zone defense, I think that all leads me to, to say um, I've never been the biggest Ravens fan, but the Ravens will win this game and match up with the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. And finally, Bucks and Saints. Um, Breeze, not impressive. Taylor Heineke was. Uh, I was really impressed with the young quarterback at Old Dominion against Tampa's defense. Uh, I thought he showed a lot of guts, and I think he permanently um, – I think he permanently uh, found a role and a spot in this league with the way he played. You know, I thought the Bears defense played well enough to win. You know, they took away the short passing game for much of the game, and outside of two long sustaining drives the Saints had in the second half, I just wasn't impressed. You know, the Bear Breeze couldn't push the ball down the field. Um, he had a QBR of fifty-seven, which is average, not great. And on paper, you know, you look at this Buck Saints game. On paper, both teams are evenly matched. Both are top five in takeaways, top 10 in sacks. Both have given up almost the same amount of passing touchdowns. Both have top five rush defenses. But Brady has been playing much better. Say what you want about the competition. I understand that. They beat the Falcons, who have the 32nd worst passing defense, the Lions 30th, Vikings 25th. I understand all of that. But Brady's been playing with a lot of confidence, and I think the chemistry is finally starting to be more consistent and especially with Antonio Brown. I think AB is the biggest X factor in this game. He's had five touchdowns the last four games for Tampa. And Mike Evans, Brady's chemistry has also been great down the stretch. And I've been saying this for years. I think the Saints are the most overrated team in football every single year, given the talent that they have overall in that roster and the coaching that they have as well. Uh, I think the Saints secondary is just completely overrated every year. They have a lot of talented players, but they always seem to be prone to giving up explosive plays and remember, the first time these two teams played, you know, Brady had no offseason, was breaking in with a new coach and a new system. The second time these two teams played, they basically threw A B into the lineup. And I don't think the Bucs had an offensive identity on that Sunday night and that embarrassment, embarrassing loss. Tampa's got the momentum. It's gonna be a close game. Um, but I'm just I'm gonna take Tampa with the momentum. I don't think Breeze is gonna be able to punish the the Tampa D secondary like he did those first couple games. And I think Brady, you know, the Bucs' offensive line is playing better. Um, you know, they found a little bit of, of, you know, and let's also not forget, they have rushed for over 100 yards three times in their last five wins. I think that gives us an assemblance of balance. And I think offensively they're going to be able to attack the Saints defense on all three levels. I'll take Tampa in an upset on the road. All right. Moving into NFL offseason moves, I'm going to move quickly with some of these um, let's talk about the Eagles and actually let's talk about Doug Peterson. He absolutely deserved to be fired. Um, you know, once you lose the locker room as a head coach, it's over. You know, I can't speak from personal experience cause I've never played college or professional sports, but you know, when a coach makes that kind of move, how can you as a player trust that coach again? Right? No, no football player wants to lose intentionally. You're trying to win every game. Regardless of what the front office or the ownership might do about tanking or about getting a better pick, no player wants to lose on purpose. So once you lose the locker room, you know, it really did come down to Carson Wentz, who you paid a lot of money, or Doug Peterson. You know, Doug Peterson's a good coach. He won a Super Bowl, they made the playoffs three straight years. But if you noticed ever since the Super Bowl, they got progressively worse every single year. And I don't think it's a coincidence that as the team got worse, so did Carson Wentz. Um, I just think Doug Peterson, the last few weeks of the season, poor communication between him and himself and the players. Um, And this team is just old. They're old and they're getting injury and they're injury prone the last two years. And the offense was not playing to win strengths. Um, I don't think this is a great job. Um, You know, the Eagles are expensive and old. You know, they don't have a lot of dynamic playmakers on defense outside of Fletcher Cox and Darius Slay. And They're just old up front, and while their defensive line is still a really strong part of their team, it's getting older and more expensive. Uh, their offensive line has been, you know, filled with injuries the last two years. Carson Wentz's confidence is shot. They have no dynamic young playmakers on the perimeter. Uh, I think Jalen Rager could be a good player in this league. He's just had a bunch of injuries this year. You know, Alshon Jeffrey could be released. Deshaun Jackson they can move on from. JJ Arcega-Whiteside's a bust, and they just haven't done well in the draft. Last few years outside of Miles Sanders, and, you know, Dallas Goddard. Zach Ertz might be on the way out the door. This is not a great job. And you know, while they did win the Super Bowl a few years ago, this is gonna be a really tough next couple of years with the Eagles with the limited cap space and limited playmakers that they have on both sides of the football. And I'll kind of go into Chargers. Yeah, I think the Chargers are a good job. You know, Justin Herbert proved me wrong. He had a really good season. Um, they have good perimeter weapons: Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen. Uh, you know, if they reset Hunter Henry, they'll have a good young tight end. Uh, Mike Williams is still there. Um, I think the one thing that with the Chargers is, you know, they don't really have a great defense. Uh, I, I'd like Kenneth Murray at linebacker out of Oklahoma. He had a good rookie year. Uh, Joey Bosa is obviously a stud, but they got a lot of holes to fill in the secondary. You know, Derwin James is injury-prone. You know, Chris Harris and Casey Hayward getting up there in age. They always never seem to have a kicker either. They always seem to find a way to lose. The, the Chargers need to go get a coach that can help turn around that losing mindset. You know, this is a team that, you know, had a lot of leads late in games this year. They just couldn't close the deal. But I think finding a coach that can really tap into, you know, great play calling and game design as the game goes on, I think you know we'll have this team being very successful potentially as soon as next year with all the talent, the young talent they have offensively. Uh, I think the Texans is a horrible job. Uh, I know they have Deshaun Watson, but I don't think he's going to be there much longer. Uh, I think the Texans have some of the worst combination things you could have um, until Bill O'Brien got fired. They had a bad coach, bad ownership, and bad management. When you have those three things, you're never going to be successful as a franchise in any professional sport. Uh, They also don't have any draft picks. I think a lot of this has to do with Bill O'Brien – he traded, he gave away like five picks for Laramie Tunsil. He traded away DeAndre Hopkins for nothing. Uh, I think J.J. Watt and Watson could be gone by next season, as could Will Fuller. They just don't have a lot of, they, they still lack overall talent. Their offensive line is still bad outside of Tunsil. They still don't have a good run game. And their defense, just outside of, you know, McKinney and Cunningham at linebacker, they just don't have any overall dynamic talent on defense. This is not a great job, and, you know, once Deshaun Watson forces his way out of town, this is really going to be a job that no one's going to want. And I'll say the Lions, slow on defense. Their best wide receivers are all free agents. And again, a very similar theme here with the Eagles and, and the Texans. They just don't like a lot of playmakers overall on defense. They just need an identity shift. Um, and I also think that Stafford could be gone by this offseason. So, you know, I think the Lions could be transitioning into a new quarterback and maybe a little, getting a little bit younger on defense. Um, but let me just talk about a few coaches that have been hired. Arthur Smith to the Falcons. I didn't love this. I didn't love this move. Um, yeah, yes. The Titans had a top five scoring offense, a top three rushing attack and the second best red zone touchdown rate. But a lot of that I was having to do with having Derrick Henry and having the best, one of the best run blocking offensive lines in the NFL, Arthur Smith has 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 earned his opportunity to be a head coach. You know, he's been with the Titans for over 10 years, mostly under with Mike Vrabel. But you're going to now a team with an old quarterback and Ryan, Matt Ryan, who's not really that mobile. Um, and the Atlanta situation is just not ideal. There's no cap space. They have, again, no dynamic playmakers on defense outside of Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones. They don't have a great running game or a great run blocking offensive line. And you can't really recreate the offense without Derrick Henry or the line. Plus, say what you want about Ryan Tannehill, but Ryan Tannehill is way more mobile, and his the running element of his game gave that offense more dimensions and more substance with the ability to run the bootlegs and the play action. I think this is going to be a really tough job. I think Arthur Smith's going to be the big whiff coaching whiff of the off season. Um, but I think one guy that won't be a whiff is Robert Sala. To the Jets. I, I thought this was an excellent hire by the Jets. Uh, the players loved and respected him in San Francisco. Think of think of it this way: with all the injuries San Francisco had on defense, you know, they had to move their home games to Arizona at the end of the year due to COVID in Northern California. You know, like I said, all the injuries on defense, players always play hard for him even with all the injuries and all the ups and downs they had this year, that speaks a lot to him as a man and him as a coach. Uh, He helped develop Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner and Fred Warner. Um, I think he's learned a lot from Kyle Shanahan. I think having head coaching experience at any level is a little overrated. I think being a head coach in the NFL is all about, can you lead a group of men? Can you stand up in front of the room, sell your vision, get players to buy in, It was clear to me that San Francisco's defense players did that. They bought into his energy. They bought into his intensity and his love for his players. I think the Jets, it's going to be a huge flip. Adam Gase didn't really get along with players, but Robert Saul is the ultimate players coach, and he's going to bring a lot of energy and excitement to that Jets locker room. And Urban Meyer, I I think Urban Meyer to the Jags is is a good short-term fit, long-term. I don't know if he's going to be there more than three or four years, uh, but you can't deny that. Urban Meyer is the ultimate culture builder. I mean, three national championships developed Alex Smith into a number one overall pick, 12-3 um, in bowl games at Ohio State, Florida, and Utah. Um, you know, and, and the Jags aren't lacking talent. I mean, they have some young, talented players on offense, James Robinson, DJ Chark, Chennault, a couple good young linemen, on, Miles Jack, Joe Schobert on defense, and Ohio Trevor Lawrence – but in the NFL, you can't just recruit your way to a great season. Um, it's going to be a, a rough first year for Urban Meyer. I can't see more than four four wins. But you know, if Urban Meyer can get the right guys in there, right coaching staff, and develop players, I think he can turn them around within two or three years. But it's not as easy to turn around a college program as it is in NFL. It's not as easy to turn around an NFL program as it is in college. And you know, Jags right now have bottom five rosters, so it's going to be a real real tough sledding for. Urban Meyer in his first year, but he does give the Jags more relevance. Uh, thank you for listening to the get a grip podcast uh, for more uh, tune in later next week for more NFL news. and.